This message, even though it's about the blood of Jesus, but if you look at the title of the message, is purification by blood. Purification by blood. And uh, most of our thoughts will be from the book of uh, Hebrews this morning. And, and you can uh, um, come along with me. Along the way, I will read a couple of scripture portions, but I will not read all of them this morning because uh, uh, we don't have time uh, to read all the scriptures covered in this message. That's why I'm giving out the notes. So when you go home, you can study this topic again in detail. Now, um, when we look around, when we live in this world, uh, lately I have uh, seen so many advertisements for purification of the blood. Not purification by the blood, purification of the blood. What the world emphasizes, the medical field emphasizes, is purification of our blood. And there are many medical conditions that we can go through that, we, that require us to go to a hospital, be admitted into a hospital so they can recirculate your blood through using a machine and take out all the toxins in your blood. Because uh, we live in a chemical-filled world and, and so many of the food that we eat how chemicals in it, the water has chemical in it, air has chemical in it. So somehow you have to take all these toxins out of your system. We have a medical doctor sitting back there nodding his head, saying that I am telling him the tr telling the truth. So if you have any medical questions, you know, I will direct to him later at the end of the service, all right? Uh, but I have seen this, I have seen this. Uh, even dialysis is basically a blood purification procedure, taking out all the sugar and sugar compounds that have accumulated come into your blood. And, and, and they use the dialysis machine to um, take out those sugars um, and, and purify your blood. And many of the diabetics, severely diabetic people, you know, um, go through that. I have many family members on my wife's side who are going three times a week to a hospital to get dialysis done. That's what keeps them alive, actually. Amen. And uh, on top of that, recently I have seen uh, a lot of advertisements for food items that can cleanse your blood. Because now we are into holistic medicine and uh, a lot of people who are into holistic medicine promote certain foods um, that, uh, um, that can purify your blood. Something that uh, we have accustomed to, we are accustomed to where I come from. Uh, which the world didn't care until a short while ago is something called uh, turmeric. And you know that turmeric has become a big thing in the world today. I remember uh, as a child, when I was a child, I remember seeing mothers putting turmeric all over the body of little kids when they give them bath. Before they apply the soap, first they wash them with the turmeric water. And then they put soap on them. And they said, I, asked, I have asked them, what are you doing? Because turmeric is yellow and the kids turn yellow. And I, I asked them, I, I remember asking these mothers, why are you doing this? And the mothers would say that will kill all the gems on their body. And I was a child. I said, okay, and went off to play. But now the medical science have admitted that turmeric is one of the best best thing that you can use and many people I know even drink water when they get up with a little turmeric in, in, in a glass of water so we have purification of our blood is, has become a big business and an important thing and indeed it's a good thing and, uh, and part of the higher health conscience that we have today but the Bible does not say anything about purification of your blood you know Actually, the Bible teaches something seemingly crazy. The Bible actually teaches purification by the blood. Purification by the blood. And it's that thought that led to this message that I am about to share with you this morning. Because it's so contrary to what the science says. Science says you have to purify your blood. Purification of the blood is necessary. But the Bible says purification by the blood is necessary. Of course, when the Bible says Bible is not contradicting medicine, 
please don't think that way Bible is not speaking against science no it's not at all Bible is talking about a completely different dimension of our life the spiritual dimension of uh, our lives amen so if you look at the Bible you know chronologically you will see that uh, this idea of being saved by the blood originally started with the idea of Passover originally started with the idea of Passover and all of you know the Passover story and I have a lengthy message so I won't take time to uh, give you all the details but what happened on the Passover night is so simple so simple uh, but so powerful because God, here God gave something unheard of until then sacrifices was in the Bible since the time of Cain and Abel we know that sacrifices has been in the Bible but nowhere in the Bible the uh, uh, the sacrificial system included taking part of the blood of the sacrificial animal applying it on yourself or applying it on your house or applying it on anything it's never mentioned in the book of uh, Genesis even though sacrifices are many times in the book of Genesis but when we come to the book of Exodus and with the Passover God brings a brand new idea a novel idea God said hey this night the angel of death is going to pass over the land of Egypt and when the angel of death pass over the land of Egypt the firstborn of, firstborn of every family and even the firstborn of the cattle going to die because it's an angel of death that is passing over this land with a special assignment listen to me even when the angel of death is passing over a land it is under the control of God Almighty amen he cannot just kill anybody he want he can only kill whom he is authorized to kill so that's why we depend on God instead of depending on medicine alone instead of depending on government alone instead of depending on science alone because the ultimate authority in this universe is the God whom we serve hallelujah Yes, if you believe that, you can give the Lord a clap offering in this place. Because He is the ultimate authority in this world. Amen. He does all things according to His perfect will. Amen. So even when the angel of death is passing over a land, He cannot randomly kill all the people He wants. He can only kill the people over whom God has allowed. Well, that of course really raises moral questions. Because close to a million people died in, uh, from corona in this, in this country alone. So God wanted to see those hundred thousand, I mean million people, hundreds of thousands I, I meant to say, uh, killed. God gave angel of death authority to kill those people? No, no, I didn't say that. But uh, at the same time we know that people who looked unto God and many of their lives were spared amen people when people stood in the gap for them and and many of those people were spared from the brink of death including in our in our church so we know that even in a pandemic god can get involved amen all right so if i stay there i won't be able to touch on my message so let me move forward anyway this idea of purification by the blood or salvation by the blood or to be saved by the blood came from originally from the Passover and uh, and then it became part of the law when we come to the book of Leviticus it became part of the law that idea got expanded expanded in the book of the law let's see let's I told you it's uh, we're going to stay in the book of Hebrews alone to save time so let me read this passage to you from uh, Hebrews chapter 9 verses 18 through 22 Hebrews chapter 9 verses 18 through 22 this is actually a summary of a lot of passages in the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus and Exodus and Leviticus so to save time I will just read the summary so Hebrews chapter 9 verses 18 through 22 this is why uh, what we read there that is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal for after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of the calves and the goats 
along with water and sprinkle both the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, the blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. This is interesting. When children of Israel became a community in the book of Exodus and along the journey, you know, God is revealing more and more things to them. And at one point, God told them to build the tabernacle as a place of worship and also as a place of God's presence. More than as a place of worship, it was a, present, a place of God's presence because God said, I will dwell in the midst of my people. And that was God's desire, to dwell in the midst of his people. So Moses was given a blueprint when he went to the mountaintop and according to the mount of that blueprint, he built that tabernacle without deviating it from it to the left or to the right. And he was so obedient in the house of God. Bible uh, itself or, and God himself certified later that Moses built it exactly according to the, uh, the blueprint that was given to him. But when that, when that tabernacle was, was built and Moses wrote down all the law that God gave him that we read in the book of Exodus and book of uh, Leviticus into a book, there came the day of the dedication of that temple. And on the day of dedication of that temple, first thing that they did was they decided to do a sacrifice, kill some animals. It actually talked about, uh, talk about the blood of calves and goats. That means goats were killed that day and cows were killed that day. And Moses saved some of the blood of these sacrificial animals. So, uh, before the anything could be done in the tabernacle, before anyone could enter into the tabernacle, you know, Moses decided to purify everything. Again, I'm sure according to the revelation that God gave him. So, you know what? He had to purify everything, including God's law. So why do you have to purify God's law? If that book contained God's law, that as it was revealed to him, and he wrote it down, why do you need to purify God's law? Of course, God's law is perfect, and it does not need any purification. But the problem was, it was written down by a sinful man. Are you with me? It was written by a sinful man. Tabernacle was built for God. It's God's presence that's coming into tabernacle. So then why do you need to purify the tabernacle? Again, the same principle. It was written by sinful men. So the Bible, you know, promote this idea that anything that a sinful man touches becomes sinful. Or, or impure, I should say impure, not sinful. Impure. So anything that a sinful man's hand touches become impure. So it has to be purified. It has to be purified. So Moses wrote the book of law, but Moses is a sinful man. He's not a perfect human being. So the book of law had to be purified. Look at that verse, the verse that I read to you, the summary I read to you. Look at the, in the notes I have even summarized even further. Look at the things that God purified that day. Moses purified the book by sprinkling blood on it. And then this law was given to these people. But these people were sinful people. So they need to be purified. So Moses took some of that blood and sprinkled over the people. And said you are purified by this blood of this animal. That became a sacrifice for you. This all is coming to Christ later. And then, as I just told you, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle because it was built by sinful men. And even he didn't even stop there. Every utensil that was going to be used in the tabernacle had to be cleansed by the blood because all of them were made by sinful men. So, uh, and all of those things had to be purified, but only once. Listen to me. Some of these things had to be purified only once. 
because tabernacle was purified only one time every time they put the tabernacle back again or pitch that tent again they did not go through the same process because it was sanctified by God and in that process God said set apart for God in some of the modern translations of the Bible in the New Testament you will see the word set apart instead of sanctified because it contains that idea because once it was set apart it was set apart for God as long as you used it only for God only for that purpose for it was set apart you didn't have to sanctify it again and again and again are you with me that's why we teach based on the Bible that we don't have to get saved all the time because the idea in the Bible the idea in the Bible is that once you are saved by the blood of the Lamb of God, you are set apart for God. Hallelujah. The Bible does not just say you are saved. The Bible says you are saved and sanctified. Amen. So if you are saved and sanctified, that means you are set apart for God. So you don't have to save, you get saved all the time. You don't have to lift up your hands every time. Pastor does an altar call if you are truly saved. But if you're not truly saved, of course, you have to do that again. Amen. So, so this is what, this was the idea behind it. All the utensils in that tabernacle was sanctified only one time. The book of the law was only sprinkled by blood only one time. Because once it was sprinkled by blood, it was sanctified, it was set apart. As long as you don't take that utensil and go home and sell curry in your home, it's still sanctified. Are you with me? Amen. And that was the idea in the Old Testament. Now, this is the, going to the next point. So why was this so important? Because purification was central to the Jewish worship system. Purification was central. And, in, and, and we know that the Bible teaches that all human beings are inherently sinful. Amen. Because we inherited that sin through genetics from our forefather Abraham. I mean, Adam. And therefore... We are all of us are sinful human beings and we all need purification. Not only Christianity teaches that, not only Bible teaches that, all religions teach us that. Today we have a lot of Muslims living in this country. You know, in this area there are a lot of Muslims. And, uh, and if you know anything about their lifestyle, you know, some of you actually came from a Muslim background. So you know that uh, they have a, a ritual cleansing called voodoo, where they have to wash themselves before, not take a shower. They had to, this, this is a ritual wash that they have to do before their prayer and they have to do it in a certain order starting with their uh, face and then they have a, a certain order how you know and they cannot break that order first they, you have I don't I forgot the order I have read about it okay uh, and and every time they pray before that they have to do go through that and the Hindus you know um, always wash their hands and their feet before they go for prayer, at least that's what the Hindus do in India, okay? I don't know what they do here. But they always have to wash their hands and their feet. And the Hindu priest, the first thing that they do when they get up is they go and dip themselves in a the flowing water. Um, and, and so cleansing and purification is part of all religious systems in the world. And the Bible also teaches that, uh, that we are all inherently sinful and anything a sinful person touches become impure and because of that you have it has to be cleansed so uh, Moses cleansed all of that and and then the very last sentence also tells us that it was not just ritualistic cleansing that Moses was doing it Moses was also redeeming it redeeming it because there's an element of redemption in uh, uh, in it now let me move on okay now look at the next point this is very important point what does the blood do in the Bible why does Bible teaches us uh, about purification by blood so much? See, look at, look at these important points. Uh, uh, first of all, the blood saves, which I already changed, uh, told you about uh, um, what happened in Egypt. And we know in the New Testament, you know, uh, blood of uh, the Lamb of God is that brings us to salvation. We'll come to that in a, in a, um, in a few minutes. Now, the second thing is uh, blood also sanctifies. Blood also sanctifies for ministry. Before people could start ministry, they had to be sanctified and purified by the blood. 
when Aaron and his children uh, were getting ready for ministry in this tabernacle that is already purified, God said, okay, that's not enough. I have to purify each of you. So they were brought before God and, uh, and Moses and, uh, uh, I mean, because this included even Aaron. So Moses took uh, the sacrificial blood and applied the blood upon their hands, applied the blood on their leg, applied the blood on their ears, and upon, upon, applied the blood on many parts of their body because they said you are about to enter into the presence of a holy God because ministry is not a joke you know in, in the Old Testament ministry was taken much more seriously than ministry is taken today because God said you are not coming into my presence to represent me and minister to me in your sinful condition you must be purified by the blood before you can minister before me hallelujah amen of course that concept is applicable to the in the new testament also that's why we say that uh, before we come and do anything because this is not an old testament temple but we still know we are coming into the presence of god and when we are coming to worship god we are approaching the throne of grace amen and that's why we insist that uh, if you have sin in your life don't come up here and do anything just sit down not because we hate people sometimes people think interpret it differently and say pastor is partial pastor is racist pastor is this and that and and pastor is too strict no it has nothing to do with any of that because you are here representing a god your god and you are coming up here to minister to your god amen so before you come and minister ministering to god make sure you are purified by the blood of the lamb amen uh, because this is serious business people Amen. We have to take it seriously. We know that same day in go home and read uh, Exodus chapter 28 because two of Aaron's children didn't take it seriously. They said, what is the big deal? What is the big deal? And they brought strange fire into the presence of God. And the Bible says that the fire came out from the Holy of Holies and killed them right there. So, if you are called by God for ministry, take it seriously. Take your call seriously. Make sure you are always covered by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Hallelujah. Third thing that we see in the Old Testament is that the blood sealed the Old, old Covenant. And I, I, I mentioned that already. Amen? And the fourth thing I want to show you is that the blood purifies in the old testament in the chapter chapter 13 and 14 of the book of leviticus is a passage about the ritualistic cleansing of someone who had leprosy listen to me blood is not applied when they have leprosy the blood is applied when this person says i my leprosy i had a leprosy and I had to stay outside the camp. Now the leprosy is gone from my body. And I want to come back into the camp. And at that point he has to come before the priest. And priest has, priest has to go through. A, uh, uh, do a ritualistic cleansing for him. He actually kills two birds. And uh, he takes the blood of that bird. And put it in the water. And he will, you know, he will dip that uh, hyssop was a little plant and they will uh, take a branches of hyssop uh, in the blood and sprinkle on him and say you are clean after he is sure that this man is actually free from leprosy and after that with that blood he can go back into the community of the people of God hmm. are you with me okay so this is what the Bible te telling us there see because we cannot we say, all of us are Christians. We are all Christians. What are you talking about? There is no difference between Christians and Christians. There are 2.6 billion people on the face of the earth who claims to be Christians. All of them are same. But that's not what the Bible teaches though. Because we can call ourselves Christian. If you live in a Christian community, you are born in a Christian home. Yes. But you don't truly become a part of the community of the people of God until you hit that blood on you oh hallelujah hallelujah because leprosy is a symbol for sin in the bible and the bible said that anyone who has this leprosy has to stay outside the camp 
until that leprosy is taken care of. And when that leprosy is, uh, uh, is taken care of and he feels like, yes, I am ready to go back into the community of the people of God, which was the community of Israel at that time, the first thing the priest has to do is sprinkle the blood of the bird that was dead on his behalf upon him and declare him as cleansed and then he can come back and become a part of the community of the faithful so when we talk about a remnant the word used in the bible is remnant people who truly follow god not the 2.6 billion people who call themselves christians but the people who are truly following christ if you look at those people and ask me what is the difference about them what is the difference about them you know what is the difference they have the blood of the lamb of god upon them hallelujah they have the blood of the lamb of god upon them so this morning don't argue with somebody to prove that you are a christian you don't have to waste your time you don't have to justify this or that you, all you have to do is look at yourself. Am I covered by the blood of the Lamb of God this morning? Hallelujah. Last Sunday in my message, I touched on that too. Amen. When we come back from heaven, we will be all wearing white linen. Remember my message from last Sunday? We will be all wearing white robes. But that robes were not white originally. Our robes became white because it was washed in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. I am not inherently holy. I am another sinful human being in the natural. But this morning I can claim to be a child of God. I can stand before you as a child of God because of the blood of the Lamb of God that is upon my life. Hallelujah! So church membership does not make you a Christian. Amen! Hallelujah! Following a certain dogma does not make you a Christian. Going to a certain church does not make you a Christian. The blood of the Lamb of God, the presence of the blood of the Lamb of God is what truly makes you a Christian. So look at yourself this morning and see, am I covered with the blood of the Lamb of God? Hallelujah. If you are not, I want to tell you it's available for you this morning. Amen. That fountain is still open. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. Then the blood of blood brings uh, forgiveness. In um, Leviticus chapter 4, when, uh, some, when somebody brings a sin offering, um, sin offering is when somebody did something you know, unknowingly or knowingly that is against the law of God. Even if you have done it unknowingly, you are still responsible for it and you have to make a, a restitution for that and you brought an animal as an offering and uh, uh, the blood of that animal will be taken by the priest and poured on the four corners of that altar on behalf of this person who is bringing this animal and uh, and he received the forgiveness for his sins and, and through that in Leviticus chapter 16 blood also restores us back to God there's so much stuff in here that's why I give you the notes okay please look, study these notes again use this for your personal meditation throughout this week now did you notice that two of the biggest uh, Leviticus chapter 16 is, of course, about the Day of Atonement. So, the two of the biggest celebrations in the Jewish religious calendar was related to blood. The Passover, which is the first uh, festival of the calendar, and the Day of Atonement, which is the last festival on the, uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, Jewish religious calendar, was related to blood. Okay? But, after giving all of this, and they did all of this for 1500 years, then the Bible comes back and says, yet this was only shadow of good things to come. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 11, I mean, verse 1, it says that this was just shadow of good things to come. This is not enough. After doing all of this and doing this for 1500 years, the Bible comes back and says, but this is not enough. Why this is not enough? After going through all this trouble to please God, how come the Bible say that it is not enough? You know why it is not enough? Because the same chapter tells us in verse 4 that the blood of the animals cannot take away our sins. Amen. It was shadow. It was shadow of, uh, 
over uh, of better things to come. The Bible says, I will explain that in, in a second. Okay, two other points the Bible makes in that chapter. Why this was not enough. Number one, blood of the animals cannot take away your sin. Number two, nobody became perfect by giving an animal sacrifice. They had to come back into the presence of God with an animal sacrifice again. They had to come back into the presence of God. Every year this was repeated. So the same chapter, verse 3 tells us that a repetition of them shows that they were not efficacious. That means it didn't take care of the sin once and for all. So only thing that happened was it may give you a reminder that you are a sinful person. That you had to get right with God. Amen. So the, the priest continue to do this, continue to do this, continue to do this. The book of Hebrews starts with a very powerful statement in chapter 1 and verse 3. This is what it says there about Jesus. When he by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In other words, it says uh, all these things continued for 1500 years. It was not enough every year. Thousands of ministers are doing this again and again. Levites are doing this again and again. But nobody was made perfect. But then came Jesus. Hallelujah. Then came Jesus. Amen. In the book of Hebrews you will see again and again. By one sacrifice. By one sacrifice. For 1500 years countless animals were killed. Nobody knows how many calves were killed. How many goats were killed. Nobody knows. Countless number of them were killed for temporary restitution, for temporary forgiveness. But then came Jesus. Hallelujah. By his one sacrifice, the Bible says again and again in that book, by his one sacrifice, what did he do? He purged by himself all of our sins. Hallelujah. I will touch on it more. Amen. But look at that. In the message of the gospel is in that one verse. Because it teaches us three, three major points. Number one, Jesus did it all by himself. Listen to me. Jesus did it all by himself. That's why we don't agree with some of the theology of the Catholic Church. Because the theology of the Catholic Church is that, yes, you need to believe in Jesus. Yes, you need the death of Jesus on the cross for your forgiveness, but that's not enough. You cannot say that you are forgiven right, just right then and there. All your life you have to continue to do good works. And every time you do good works, God is giving you points. And uh, but only at the end of your life you know whether you have enough points to be declared by God as you are saved and you can go to heaven. That's what they say. But that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. The Bible says he did it by himself. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says he did it by himself. He doesn't need the help of saints. He doesn't need the help of Mary. He doesn't need the help of angels. He doesn't need the help of any other religious figures. He doesn't need the help of Mark or popes. He doesn't need the help of anyone. He did it by himself. Hallelujah. By his one sacrifice. He purged our sins. Hallelujah. Amen. While the blood of the, the cows and the goats, amen, cannot take away your sins. His precious blood has completely taken away your sins. Your sins are purged. Hallelujah. Listen, the Bible is so emphatic about that. It says that uh, after, as soon as that was over, he, he took a break. He is seated on the right hand side of the Father. He has no more job to do until he is ready to come back as the king of this earth. Right now he is just enjoying. Jesus is just chilling apart from listening to your prayers. Because he finished his work. And he was so sure of that. That's why the last statement from the cross was, It is finished. It is finished. Nobody has to do anything to save you. 
God did not have to give another revelation 600 years through Muhammad to save you. God did not have to give another revelation 1800 years later through Joseph Smith of Mormonism to save you. God did not have to give any revelation to anyone else that came after Jesus because they are all imposters. You know why? Because Jesus said it is finished and he said it is finished. It is finished. Hallelujah. Can we have time to sit down? From morning till evening. Sacrifice after sacrifice. Long line of people coming with animals. So all day long what they did was just butcher animals, butcher animals, butcher animals. Offer them a sacrifice. And God wanted to make sure none of them take a break. So that he didn't allow a chair in the tabernacle. That's what they did. But my Lord Jesus. When he came. And became our high priest. Amen. He did only one sacrifice. By his one sacrifice, he purged our sins forever. So he is righted, I mean, seated on the right hand side of uh, the Father. Amen. Since we are in the book of Hebrews this morning, let me show you. I won't explain all these things in detail. I don't have time. Okay, our time is coming to an end. You look, look at point number seven in your notes. There are five major passages in the book of Hebrews that talks about uh, the sacrifice of Jesus. Number, uh, I will just touch on each one of them. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 is the first one. It talks about the exaltation of Jesus after the cross, which is what I was just talking to you about. The second passage is in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. That's where the... It talks about Jesus Christ, how Jesus Christ became our high priest after the cross, after offering this one sacrifice of his own life on the cross. And the third passage is Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23 to 27. It takes, uh, again, it talks about the sinless high priest who shed his blood for his people. And the fourth passage is in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 28 which talks about how Jesus took his blood because in the earthly tabernacle, remember on the day of atonement, the high priest had to take the blood, he'll kill an animal for himself first and, uh, and then come back and kill an animal for the people. And both times he took the blood behind the curtain into the Holy of Holies. And Hebrews chapter 9 says that Jesus Christ was a not a high priest in an earthly tabernacle. Therefore, he took the blood and he took it straight to the heavenly tabernacle. Amen. Amen. And fifth passage is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 10 through 14, where it talks about why the New Testament was needed. Why the New Testament was needed and how Jesus took care of everything demanded by the justice and righteousness of God. Can I just read that passage to you this morning? Hebrews chapter 10 verses 10 through 14. This is what we read there. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. I want you guys to listen to these words. Supremely important scripture passage. Let me start all over again. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, which we talked about the Aaronic priesthood, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Say good for all time. So nobody has to come up with a second way of salvation after Jesus died on the cross. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever, say forever, made perfect those who are being made holy. 
I need to read that passage once again, the last verse once again. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are made, being made holy. Being made holy is another word for sanctified. That one sacrifice, we are being sanctified. And there is no other sacrifice. That's why uh, uh, Apostle Peter said in his epistle that if you refuse the blood of Jesus, he actually said if you tremble the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for your salvation, there is no other way of salvation for you. Only one thing is left for you. That is the judgment of God. This, that's the judgment of God. There is one sacrifice, one offering, forever made perfect, those who are being made holy. So I'm going to ask you a question. Can I see the hands of all the perfect people here? Can I see the hands of all the perfect people here? How come none of you are lifting up your hands? Because we know that none of us have become perfect yet. Amen? But did you notice that uh, the language in that verse? It says we were made perfect. So how come if we are made perfect by this offering, we are not perfect today? See, the true teaching of the Bible is that the day you believe Jesus, God counted it as righteousness, forgave all your sins, wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life, and destined you for perfection. So can you turn to somebody this morning and say, I'm not perfect yet? Come on, say it, say it, say it. I am not perfect yet. If you are perfect, you don't have to say it, okay? All the un imperfect people, please say this to somebody. Yeah, I am not perfect yet, but I am destined for perfection. If you believe that, give the Lord a clap offering in this place. <laughs> hallelujah! 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 Amen. Why the by this one sacrifice? So you know what does that mean? Listen to me, folks. Because we are not perfect yet, because we still make mistakes in our life, you know what we have to do? Every time we become conscious of that, we have to go back to this one sacrifice. Hello. We had to go back to this cross because there is nothing else. Amen. But the Bible gives us assurance that if we are willing to confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. Hallelujah. So it doesn't matter where you are this morning. It doesn't matter how many mistakes have happened in your life. You can go back as long as you're willing to confess your shortcomings and say, Lord, I know you saved me at some point. I know I believed in Jesus. I was following Jesus. But something came into my life. I have made mistakes in my life. This morning I need to be cleansed again. Let me tell you, there's only one thing that can cleanse you. Why can't wash us white as snow? As we sang this morning, nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing, absolutely nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you need forgiveness this morning, if you need cleansing in your life this morning, let's go back to that sacrifice 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. Because that, as I said earlier, that fountain is not closed. That fountain is still flowing. That fountain is still flowing for you and for me. Amen. That blood is still flowing for you and for me. That blood is still available for you and for me. Hallelujah. This morning, if you are willing to go back to that cross of Calvary, as He will cleanse us once again by that precious blood. Amen. And declare us righteous. We are being made holy. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, I am being made holy. Amen. I didn't say, you say, I'm holy. No. God alone is holy. Amen. But I am being made holy. Hallelujah. Because of the blood that can purify me. Because of the blood of the Lamb of God. Amen. That removes all the stains of sins from our life. Because of the blood of the Lamb of God that renews us, we are being made holy. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, this morning, what does this blood can, what can this blood do for you? Three things quickly I want to touch on and then we will get up and pray. 
First thing, Jesus can cleanse you today. All these verses are from the book of Hebrews, chapter 2 and verse 7. Dean, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Propitiation is a theological word. I'm not going to go into the details of it. But the simple message of that is, you know, I'm doing some studies and, uh, and something caught my attention because the Bible tells us that uh, the Old Testament, the high priest went to um, the Holy of Holies and sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat, mercy seat, which was the, something made with um, wood and covered with gold with the two cherubims facing each other. And the blood was sprinkled between the two cherubims because that is where they considered the presence of God is. In the New Testament, the Bible says, you know, in the same book actually, you know, in times of our need, as children of God, once we become children of God, we can come with confidence before the throne of grace. The throne of grace. In the Old Testament, it's mercy seat. In the New Testament, in the, it's a throne of grace. And the throne of grace is where Jesus is sitting. So you know what? When he, what Jesus did, the depth of what Jesus did, when he offered the sacrifice on the cross, and he went to heaven and offered his blood, in the heavenly tabernacle, the mercy seat became the throne of grace. Oh, that's a little too deep for you. I know. Some of you. The mercy seat is no longer. You remember uh, what he said? That we sometimes, you know, sometimes we watch movies, okay? Uh, and uh, uh, <laughs> uh, one set of movies that has become favorite to, for me and my wife is... Uh, uh, the Lost Ark, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, that series, um, you know, uh, where uh, people are searching for the mercy seat, you know, this Ark of the Covenant. And, and you know, it's a Hollywood interpretation of it, but uh, you know, it, it's very interesting because I'm always interested in the theological side of things. You know, that movie has caught my attention because people are searching for the ark and they say the ark is somewhere the ark is somewhere the ark is somewhere you know the entire jewish nation is looking for that ark the entire jewish nation the nation of israel is looking for the ark i've been to ethiopia one time uh, to, for meeting gospel meetings and uh, then our host took us for a ride and showed us a big thing completely covered with green like artificial turf to me it looked like artificial turf and it's a big monument completely covered with green and he said nobody's allowed to go in there and i asked him why he said because we believe that's where the ark is and when messiah comes back and and, and when the third temple the messianic temple goes up you know they will come the messiah will come and take the ark from here and take it to jerusalem that's what they believe I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. You know why I don't think so? Because the mercy seat has been transformed in the throne of grace already. Hello. I know I'm challenging you this morning. <laughs> okay. The mercy seat is no more. Mercy seat was for the Old Testament you know, uh, dispensation. And that dispensation is over. Mercy seat was where the high priest went with the blood. Yes, during the millennium there will be a temple, but I don't think there will be, there will be no more sacrifice. There is no need for sacrifice because the ultimate sacrifice is already offered on the cross of Calvary. Amen. And therefore nobody is going to go into that temple looking for a mercy seat because if Jesus Christ come back, his throne is going to be in that temple. And that's the throne that we call today the throne of grace, which is in heaven. Oh, I know it's a little too deep for you, okay? But chew on it, okay, this week. Okay, so what does the Bible say? Because he, to make propitiation, propitiation for the sins of the people. In other words, the spring, it refers to the sprinkling of blood in the, on the mercy seat. And when Jesus did that, he did that once and for all. Because it was not done in an earthly tabernacle. He did not take his blood to an earthly tabernacle. He went to his father. Hallelujah. 
went to his father and therefore the mercy seat is no longer needed that dispensation is over today once we are sprinkled by the blood amen not on an instrument but on your hearts and your pearl your conscience is purged by that blood you become the child of god and once you become the child of god you don't need somebody to go behind a curtain to represent you you have been given the right to walk directly into the presence of god and come boldly to the throne of grace with your needs and your petitions hallelujah hallelujah that's why you don't need another mediator there's one mediator amen one mediator that is christ the jesus hallelujah and one mediator between you and god and he's forever mediating for all of us we don't need anybody else stand up with me all over this place amen finally hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4 has another incredible idea there because the Bible says God is not only able to clean you, but God, uh, God is able to keep you. Can you turn to somebody and say, not, not only God is able to cleanse me. Come on, say to somebody, not only God is able to cleanse me. He is able to keep me. Amen. Hallelujah. That's another big theological topic behind it, but I am not going to go there. But that is something that gives us hope listen to me your future is not in your hand if your future was in your hand you could have messed up and i could have messed up and we could have fallen away from grace amen hallelujah and we have we could have gone back into the world how many times we were tempted to go back into the world hello be truthful this morning be truthful this morning how many times enemy brought stuff in your life and tempted you to go back into the world but you are still a child of god you know why you are still a child of god because it does not depend on you amen he is able to keep you come on my lord is able to keep me hallelujah put your hand on your chest and say to yourself my god is able to keep me so i'm going to remain a child of god irrespective of whatever happens in my life i am going to remain a child of god because it's not up to me it's up to my lord who went to the cross to die for me hallelujah he's able to keep you come on let's worship this lord this morning Amen, amen. Let's worship this Lord joyfully this morning. 